Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. Welcome to So That Just Happened, a podcast for those who have lost their person and want to find themselves. I'm Carly Cooper, a single mom, widow, coach, author, and chronic truth seeker. My superpower is finding the funny, the hope, and the silver lining in any shit situation. This podcast is for the purpose of education only and is not a replacement for therapy. If you need additional support, please seek out a trained professional for help with your specific situation. Let's get to it, shall we? Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of So That Just Happened. This is actually going to be my last episode for a little bit. I will come back, but I am in the deep, deep trenches of creation of my online program that I've talked about called Rekindle Your Life. And I've set a deadline for myself for February. Thank God it's a leap year because (laughs) uh, I may be launching it towards the end of February now, um, because there's just a shit ton of work to do that I didn't necessarily anticipate. I kind of knew, but I think I was in a little bit of denial. Anyway, all that to say is that I need to really put my head down and focus and get all the things done to get this program ready for you. And I'm really proud of it. And I also know myself that I need to uh, really focus and manage my time in a way that will get it done. So I'm going to put the podcast on hold for now to just really focus on that. That said, this will be the last episode that I do for a while, and it's, I think, a good one to end on. It's an interview that I did back in June with an organization, incredible organization called High Lifeline, and... um, they interviewed me and uh, I think there it was a really good conversation and I hope that it inspires you. Um, I hope that it leaves you thinking or, you know, even if you can share it with somebody who is struggling with their own grief, um, uh, you know, or loss or anything uh, where they could use some guidance and inspiration. So um, give it a listen. And uh, know that I will be coming back at some point, um, but I just need to really focus right now. So I just want to tell you a little bit more about this incredible organization. High Lifeline Canada's mission is to meet the social, emotional, and practical needs of children, families, and communities impacted by illness, trauma, and loss. They are an incredible organization doing some incredible work. And um, to learn more about supporting this meaningful cause, you can visit highlifelinecanada.org and make a donation. And I really hope you do because they're helping a lot of people get through some of the toughest times of their lives. So I hope that you enjoy this interview and I will see you back on the podcast real soon. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another amazing episode of On Air with Chai. I'm your host, Brian Strasberg, and today, My guest host is one Jennifer Gelberger, who is our Toronto-based case manager. Hi, Jen. Hi. How are you? Good, thank you. Thank you very much for joining us. I know you guys tend to have very busy schedules with clients and in and out of the hospital all day, so I do appreciate you carving out an hour to spend with us. Um, 
Today's conversation is a bit different than usual. Uh, we aren't going to be talking about cancer or children today. Today's conversation is going to be focused on our guest's experience with a major loss in a pretty tragic way. Uh, our guest today is a mindset coach, an essential oil educator, a speaker, and author of Balance the Mother Load, Reinvent Your Life in Just Eight Weeks. And she's also the creator and host of an incredible podcast called So That Just Happened. Carly Cooper. Welcome. Hello. And thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your time and all that you have to uh, share with us. Well, don't don't thank me yet. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my I appreciate you uh, reaching out. Absolutely. I've been listening to your podcast. Um, it's very it, it's very different than normal stuff I listen to. I'm generally listening to golf stuff or uh, <laughs> Mind Be Alex uh, Breakdown. Um, so... <laughs> You know, it, it's, it, it kind of, it hits the same tone as that one, but from your point of view and from being a life coach, you kind of add a whole different degree to what you've been through. So do you mind if we go back a little bit and uh, just tell us your story um, and how you ended up starting this podcast? Uh, yeah, I'm going to give you the short version because, you know, I'm old, but uh yeah. So I basically all my life, even in, I look back to when I was a teenager, I was always into personal growth, uh, mindset. I, I don't know. I, well, I should say, I don't know why, but you know, my dad and my mom, they were always like that very positive. My dad would read Brian Tracy and Anthony Robbins at the time. And, um, and I just always was interested in that. And you know, cut to, I go to university. I don't like it. I study things that I don't really, you know, I'm not doing now. Um, and you know, I was in advertising for a little bit. I tried the corporate world, couldn't do it, found out it was my kryptonite. And when I had my son, when I was 32, um, that was around the time that the secret came out and it was in 20, 2016, uh, sorry, 2006. And I was at a crossroads and I was just like, what am I supposed to do with my life? I tried all these different things, party playing and, you know, a bunch of different things. And it's like, what am I supposed to do with my life? Like, just God, give me a sign. And sure enough, the next day I was watching breakfast television just to check the weather and Bob Proctor was on and he is one of the, you know, he's a guru in personal growth and development and mindset stuff. And he was talking all about the secret and the law of attraction and mindset stuff. And I was like hanging on his every word. And then that day I was watching Oprah and she also had a bunch of life coaches on and spiritual teachers and they were talking about the secret. And I just felt like, okay, this is my sign because I felt like I was home. I felt like they were speaking my language. I felt like I had this understanding and was like hanging on everything that they said. And so long story short, I decided to become a, a life coach. And through that, you know, it's been 16 years through that journey. My focus has changed in the beginning. I was a life coach for new moms. Cause I was a new mom and I felt like I had something to say there. And then I moved into more of like mindset law of attraction kind of stuff. And because I'm a big believer, I'm, I'm obsessed with energy and like positive energy and how to change and manipulate in a good way, 
our energy to create and attract more of what we want, because I believe we can't control everything, but we can have a hand in how we live our lives and how we choose to live our lives and how we choose to think and who we surround ourselves with. I think those are things that we can control to some degree. And I was just sort of like obsessed with figuring all that out for myself and then teaching it to others. And, and I was doing that for a very long time and, you know, I sprinkled in some other things. Like I was an essential oil educator. And again, that's sort of changing the energy of our body and our mind through natural solutions. And so, um, and then, uh, should I just jump in and tell you about the store, like my husband or you feel comfortable doing? So, you know, I was doing that and, and building my business and, um, and then, you know, COVID hit and, it didn't really affect me and my business because I was always virtual and um, it was actually, dare I say it, a good thing for my business because people were struggling for, from a mindset perspective. Um, so it didn't affect my business, but it affected my husband's business who is was a camp director. And so camps completely shut down. Um, there was a lot going on at that time. And my husband struggled for most of his adult life with depression. He had four concussions over that time. And, um, but he was somebody who did the work and he tried and he fought and, you know, he would have, I remember, uh, I was with him for 27 years. We were married for 20 and, um, over the course of our time together, he, he had like, I, I don't want to say bad moments, but like really like low points, I would say maybe three times. And he always bounced back and he always came back. And so when he says like he suffered from depression, I was sort of like, I didn't dismiss it. Of course I didn't dismiss it, but I was just like, I don't, I don't see him as being one of those people, you know, who you hear about or you see like, cause he was a light, like he had a lot of life in him and he was very inspirational and very motivational and he was a leader and he was, so even in his dark times, I still saw the light in him. So I never really, I guess, wrapped my head around the fact that he had depression from a mental health perspective. Um, and so, uh, you know, like I said, COVID hit, his father was also at that time diagnosed with, um, cancer and then died four months later. So that was tragic and fast. And my husband was like right in there and moved in, in the last two weeks and, you know, really like took that on and he was struggling with his own mental health stuff and, you know, just the implications on everybody of COVID and, um, and then throw a bunch of other things on top of that. It, it just became just like this perfect storm. And, um, and then on May 20th of 2021, I, uh, my husband took his life and I did not, I can't say I didn't see it coming, but I didn't see it coming because if I look back, I could see, okay, sure, I guess. But I spoke to him that morning. 
my spidey senses did not go off. And I really believe that I am someone who is in tune and um, intuitive in that way. And I got no indication whatsoever that that would be the last time I spoke to him. So um, yeah, so I stopped working for a good year and a half. Um, and, you know, this podcast that I created, I didn't even really know or think that I was kind of working towards something because I was just doing my own work and my own healing, but I'm somebody who just naturally and innately wants to teach and share what I know. And so I basically took that time to really heal and do the work on top of the work that I had been doing for 30 plus years prior to that. And I was working with my own coach at the time, and I still am actually. And she was the one that planted this seed of a podcast because I said, I don't think I can go back to coaching people again. I am now because of all of this and the trauma and the grief and and on top of that, I'm an overly highly sensitive empath. <laughs> so I take on other people's feelings and energy, even when I don't want to. And believe me, most of the time I don't want to, I just feel it hard. And I knew that something within me changed and I can't take on other people's stuff and let it go the way that I used to be able to, but I still wanted to be able to share and to teach and to help. So the podcast idea was born out of the thought that this is a way for me to teach and help and hopefully inspire and motivate while protecting my own energy and, and having it be more of a one-sided conversation than me having to help somebody through their own stuff and take that on. So I hope I answered your question somewhere in there. <laughs> no, you definitely did. I've been listening to the podcast and the guests and the conversations you have are fantastic. You really are open, you're honest, you're very transparent with everything. And I think a lot of people listening to it will be able to pull all of that out of the podcast itself. Um, questions though for you, how often, and again, if you're not comfortable answering these questions, by all means, just tell me next. Um, how often do you replay that day in your head? In the beginning, very often. Um, but I do want to say that I did get EMDR therapy pretty much right away. And I always try and remember what it stands for. <laughs> I think it stands for eye movement, uh, desensitization and repurposing or something like that. Google it, but it's EMDR. And um, it's specifically for grief and trauma. And I did that right away because I didn't want to replay the scene over and over and over again in my head because, um, you know, for obvious reasons, it was traumatic and I knew that now as a single mom, my son was 14 and a half at the time. I had two dogs, a house, all the things. Um, I knew that I had to be strong and I had to get through this in the healthiest way possible. And I didn't, I, I was okay to feel all the feelings like the sadness, the anger, the, all of it, but I didn't want to feel scared and freaked out. And 
that's why, because I knew that emotion would paralyze me. All the other stuff may take me down for some time, but I would still be able to move forward. But I knew that fear can be so debilitating that I needed to uh, like desensitize that. And so that's why I chose that therapy and it, it worked for me. Like, and I know that it's worked amazing for so many other people who deal with grief and trauma. So definitely if that's you, I would say, check that form of therapy out. Um, and so now I can replay it if I want to, I mean, not that I want to, but you know what I'm saying? Like if I needed to for, yeah. yeah, but it doesn't freak me out. It's more of just like, and it doesn't mean I don't feel it, but it's, it's not in a way that scares me or stops me. It's a bit more of like a matter of fact, like, okay, this is what it is. And, you know, I, I thought about it a lot, but I decided not to think about the, I wanted to find more of the meaning and, and to try and find my own peace and my own closure around it rather than replaying the tragedy part of it. I'm somebody who's always seeking for truth and for meaning. And I, you know, would I say that I believe everything happens for a reason? Yes, to some degree, but I'm always trying to find a silver lining in every situation. And it doesn't come right away. Um, Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But I'm always just, because I don't believe that things just happen randomly or that someone deserves this or they don't deserve that. Like, I think that there's always something to learn from everything. And even if I just make it up (laughs) and I'm just like, well, that's what it's going to be today. And then that's good enough for me because I, I don't believe that things just happen in vain. Right. Do you believe things happen for you? Yes. A hundred percent. I, I, and I've learned to adopt that, you know, instead of, because I, I never want to be seen as, or as regarded as a victim. Um, I've always been like that. I mean, yes. Do I have moments where I'm just like, you know what? I don't want to be a self-aware evolved life coach for five minutes. And I want to be a victim. I want to not know any better. And I've had to take that on and like, give myself permission to just like throw out everything I know and believe and just really feel and be in the mud. Um, but I won't build a home there. I won't stay there for too long because I can't, I'm just not, I've rewired my brain to go on and to find the meaning and find the silver lining and have the hope. And, you know, I always joke, like I want to buy real estate on rainbow and unicorn Island. Like I just do. And, you know, I know that it's probably too expensive for me right now to live there, but I'm going to keep trying. Like, I'm just going to keep trying because I'm also somebody that has a hard time navigating her way through this harsh, negative, fear-based world. So I try and hold on to the beautiful parts of the world and the, the amazing things and the stories we don't hear about on the news because they're just too dang positive. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't sell. True. <laughs> right. It's very I think, true. 
I think a lot of what you just said really resonates with the work that we do. Um, we deal often with grief and whether it depends how, you know, depending on how the person died, but often sometimes people have a chance to prepare for it or they don't, they know someone's dying or they don't. But something that we always tell people is that grief is something that you can't go over it. You can't go under, you can't go around it. You just got to go through it. And it's really hard. And it sounds so simplified to say it like that, but the way you say it, like you're in the mud and you just got to get through and we're here to give you the tools and to help you through it. You're not alone. And I think that's really helpful for people to know that there are people that will be there in every step of the way, but the end of the day is they can't get from point A to point B without doing the work and getting there. Well, and it's so true. And, and, you know, thank God for, for people like you and the organizations like you, because yeah, like it is, it is really hard. And it's exactly what you said. I always say like the only way through is through and you're either going to experience, you're going to experience pain regardless, you know, it's the pain of not dealing with it and repressing it. And that's going to manifest in the physical and emotional issues and relationship issues. So there's going to be pain there. Or there's going to be pain to face it and feel it and relive it and all of those things. However, I believe that when you face that pain, there's hope on the other side of that. If you don't deal with it and you repress it and you deny it and you avoid it, the pain is forever. And it comes out when you least expect it. Yeah, absolutely. And so we can't run from pain. We, we have to just learn how to cope with it and to move through it to give the hope of the other side. And it, and the other side is you still feel it, but it's dulled, you know, at times, at times, look, the, his, his birthday is also in May. So I have the anniversary of his death and his birthday, both five days apart. So, you know, at the time of this recording, like we're now in June, but it's a tough time. Like May is very loaded for me, (laughs) right? It's, it's loaded, but you know, I also, and it's only, it's been two years. So I would imagine that next year will be different. And the year after that will be different. It's not like, and last year was very different than this year. Um, so it's not like you forget, it's not like you don't have days. And for me, it was the day before the anniversary was harder for me than the day of the anniversary. Cause I think it was the anticipation and all of that. Right. Um, but you, you, I'll speak for myself. My experience is because I've done the work because I faced it, because I continue to feel all the feels good, bad, everything in between, I can face it and I can get through it. And I know that it's, it's a little easier every time, you know, and when it's not, it's not. And I accept that too. And I've stopped like judging it and analyzing it and trying to find meaning around it. Sometimes it's just, you're mad because you're mad and you don't, you don't have to always seek a reason. You just feel it. And then it's like, it's like when a kid is tantruming, let them tantrum and then they get exhausted and they're over it. Right. So just tantrum and then get over it. I don't mean get over it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't mean like get over grief. I mean like, yeah, move forward. Yeah. Wow. I don't know if you're going to ask about the sun. I I was, you can, if you'd like to. I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, but I'm just curious to hear. um, Well, first of all, thank you for sharing about your experience, how you managed it and how was it, what was it like for your son? 
Um, 14 is a really difficult age for any boy, even living in the most normal circumstances. Um, yeah, it was hard and having yeah. their die by suicide is really challenging at that time. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, he is such a beautiful soul. He is so resilient. He is, you know, on one hand I say, okay, yes, it's a really tough age because he's a teenager. He's going through his own stuff, um, his own feelings just about life and, you know, being a teenager and fitting in and all of that. So I think that, and I thank God truly that he has an incredible group of friends and he has a lot of them and they supported him. Um, they rallied around him and I don't even think they did it, you know, with the intention of, because of this, they would have done it anyway and they do it anyway. And there's such a close group. So I think that really saved him. Um, we don't talk about it that much. We have a little bit. I made him go into therapy um, for a little bit, even though he was resistant. Um, and normally I don't, I wouldn't force therapy and I, and I, he's not doing it anymore. And even though I would love for him to talk further about it, he's not in a place where he's going to accept the help. So, and, and to be honest, he's doing amazing and that's why. So I don't force it on him because he's thriving. I, I, you know, I, he's now almost 17, which is crazy. I mean, he was 14, his birthday's in August. So when it happened in May, he was like almost 15. Um, so he's going to be 17 in August. He has a job. He's doing amazing in school. I don't know how, because he doesn't go in half the time. <laughs> God bless him for a photographic oh, memory. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like all the other kids hate him, but like, you know, it's working for him. So fine. Um, he's goes to, he's back at the summer camp where my husband worked. He went last year. He did amazing. He's first year staff. So it's like, he's, is that weird that what, that he's staff going to be he's staff? going back to the same camp. No, he did it. Well, no, he, he went. Okay. So when it happened in 2021, it was in May, my son was scheduled to go to camp that summer. He went for three days, couldn't do it, came home. Obviously makes perfect sense. Um, the reason why I put him in therapy was because he really wanted to go back, but I felt like he needed to do some work around going back and having a successful summer and being there because my husband was that camp. Yeah. He is in every corner of that camp. And I think my son was probably worried that it was, he was going to be looked at differently. He was that kid, you know, is it going to be a summer fill of trip full of tributes? And like, just like, that's really hard where it's really, and then have everybody look at you. Like, I don't blame him. Yeah. So I made him go to therapy just more for let's try and get you to have a successful summer and less about let's talk about daddy because he needs to get there on his own time. So Anyway, he went to camp last summer. It was his sit summer. He had an incredible time. He thrived. So this summer he's want, he's going back as staff. He wants to go. I'm not worried at all this year because he made it through last year. Um, yeah. So has it impacted him? I'm sure of course, but I don't think that he's really got, allowed himself to go there yet. Um, not to say that he hasn't had moments, 
or, you know, we've talked about it a little bit and Jack actually on the anniversary of, of my, my late husband's passing just a couple of weeks ago, I didn't want the day to come and go where it wasn't acknowledged. But I also know that if I approach it and my son doesn't want to talk about it, he's going to shut down. He's like me in that way. You need, I need to get through it in my own time, in my own way, in private. And then when I'm ready, I'll talk about it. But that took me over a year. And, you know, I have life experience and a lot of training behind me. I can't expect him to be ready. Um, so he maybe have grieved in his own way on his own time, but, you know, I made a photo album and I wrote him a really long letter and explaining what I wanted to say and my thoughts. Cause I knew that if he was going to, if I went to talk to him about it, he'd shut down this way. At least he can look at it on his own time. We don't have to talk about it or we can, I left the door open, but I'm also respecting his process and he knows that he can talk to me. Um, and that's really all I can do right now because, and I say this because I'm not seeing any red flags, right? Like he is doing so well, knock wood, thank God. Not to say that it won't catch up to him when he's 25 or when he walks down the aisle or when he has a son of his own, you know, but until that time I'm looking at it as I have my finger on the pulse. I let him know that I'm here. He wants to just be a regular teenager right now and live his life. God bless you. I feel like a lot of this with you being a life coach has just kind of jumped into place here and taken over and how you're managing the day-to-day or the recovery of dealing with such a trauma in life. Yeah, I, I would say that's, yeah, I think it's it's a lot of that. I think it's just perspective and beliefs that I've picked up along the way. Um, and just kind of innately who I am and, and what I believe and my values and also just knowing who I am and what I need and knowing my son and giving him the respect to do this in his way and on his time. And, you know, you can't force somebody to do the work if they're not ready to do the work. Absolutely not. So it's one of the harder things to do and to realize and recognize what needs to be done and actually put the effort forward towards getting to that point that you need to be at to be ahead of it instead of staying underneath it. It's not, it's, it's, it's one of the harder things in life for people to actually do. Absolutely. Um, like I know, to say there, there was a point where it was, I don't, I, I don't want to say it was a fad, but like life coaching just blew up out of nowhere yeah. and it really came through. And I know like I was kind of diving into that. I was diving into the whole mindfulness process. I was diving into self-understanding and actualization and making changes in my own life about myself. And to have that feeling and have that intuition that, that you seem to have and carry and just have that empathetic, uh, ability towards people in general, especially to your son. I mean, to know that you can't push him, you got to hold him where he is. You can't push him. Just guide him along is all you can do for him. And hopefully that will help him come to the realization of when he needs help. You are there for him. Yeah, absolutely. 
And look, it's very hard as a parent. It's also hard as someone who likes to be in control <laughs> um, to allow somebody to have their own journey in their own way. Because again, as a parent, all you want to do is make sure your kid is happy and healthy. And you know that something like this can bring the strongest person down and you want to protect, you know, them from feeling hurt and all of that. Um, so my natural instinct is to want to push him to get the help, to want to, um, uh, nip it in the bud and make sure that it doesn't come back to bite him. But when I did that, <laughs> it didn't work. And it, it, it made him shut down even more. And I know that if someone did that for me, I would react the exact same way. So I had to look at it and be like, okay, my need for him to get better, of course, is because I want him to get better. But it was also my need to know and feel safe and comforted that he's okay. And I can't have that. I, you know, it's just a, you can't, it's it's just the, that fear of the uncertainty, the discomfort of not knowing how it's going to turn out. And none of us have that. Right. What and I so, Sorry. no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say grief is really personal. There's no right or wrong way to grieve and things change. So what I was like explaining to people is that it's great if he looks like, and he seems like he's doing great now. And that's wonderful. But it's not a one-time conversation. So people will be like, no, I, I checked him out with my kids. They said they're all okay. And that's wonderful, but it's an ongoing conversation. And different things are is sometimes going to be what's going to trigger it and have them feel like really the loss will hit them or something will be really, they'll start really missing that parent that passed or that sibling. And sometimes it's big things that you expect, like the milestones, the graduations and the birthdays and the weddings and the anniversaries. So sometimes it is those things. And sometimes it could be as basic as the sensory things, you know, like you're walking through the mall and somebody who walks past you is wearing the perfume your mom wore. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden the person just like has, you know, like just bursts out crying. So it's like, and that really catches people off guard. So I, I think like understanding and the more that people can anticipate that grief comes and goes, and it's not a constant, like, and, you know, giving the kid permission, like you're allowed to be happy and daddy would want you to be happy. And, um, that's something we talk about a lot is allowing kids to feel the feelings in an age appropriate way. And at time and things change, right? Like it's, it's yeah. an ongoing life process. So it's not a one-time like, Oh, grief, we're packaged all up. We're good finish grieving now. We wouldn't, can wouldn't that be lovely, huh? <laughs> right. So just for people to understand that it's, it, it's ongoing. And that doesn't mean that, you know, you could move on and somebody can get remarried. And that doesn't mean they ever stop loving the person that their first love and, you know, just it, it's ongoing. And also yeah. the, a, a, a grief a spouse has for losing their partner is very different than the grief a child loses for has for losing the parent, right? It's every relationship is so different and the connection is so you know, and it's a grandparent losing their child. It doesn't matter the stage, but every interaction, every relationship is so specific that no two grief looks the same, even if you're mourning the same person. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, can we talk about imposter syndrome? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason I bring this up is because you brought it up in one of your episodes and I find it very intriguing because a lot of people speak about imposter syndrome in different ways. Um, you, I guess you, I, I can't remember if it was 
after the death of your husband or before, but you were going through a hard time and you were at a meeting or a conference and you said something, somebody rebuttaled you and something triggered you at that point to feel that you aren't who you are. Yes. Yes. I struggled with imposter syndrome basically throughout my entire career um, as a life coach, as somebody who was building a business um, because, and I always felt less of an imposter syndrome when I would coach people about their life because I felt really confident in being able to speak to that. Where I felt like an imposter was when I was building my business and I one of my coaches at the time told me to just shift my focus and instead of doing life coaching to do business coaching. And I was like, well, I'm not, I don't know much about business. And she's like, well, you do because you're building a business and you could just change the focus because all the mindset stuff that you're teaching people applies to business. And I was like, oh, you know what? You're right. Like, Self-doubt is self-doubt, whether it's about your body or your business or your relationships or whatever, it's the same things or, you know, focusing on the negative or, you know, or like a scarcity mindset or whatever, like that could all totally be applied to business. So I was like, okay, great. I'm a business coach now, um, teaching the same things, just slapping on a different label. I felt like an imposter because even though I was confident in what I was teaching and talking about for whatever reason, I felt like, because in my mind, I hadn't made it as a business owner, like I hadn't reached the six figures yet or whatever it was. I felt like, who am I to talk to people about building a business when I don't even think I'm successful? Right. So that really like played a big part, even though I believe that when you're coaching or teaching somebody there are some days I felt like I was just two inches further along than the client I was working with, but I, I know everything, whether or not you practice it or, you, you know, and I really believe that I live by what I teach. I don't just like spew out a bunch of theories that I read in a book. Like I'm somebody who puts it into practice and sees the best. I have to know that it works <laughs> before I can sell anything. Sure. So but that's where really where I used to feel like an imposter is like, how can I teach somebody to build a business when in my mind, I didn't think I had arrived yet as a business owner? So the reason I'm asking, because um, I'm also wondering how much does this imposter syndrome kick in after the loss of your husband and dealing with your kids and going through grief and everything from the standpoint of a life coach? So for me, it didn't kick in at all. Because now, if anything, and I'm not a grief expert and I'm not at all like somebody who wants to build a career around talking about grief and, you know, it, it, like I just, I don't, I just did it how I know how to do it based on my intuition and the tools and strategies I've learned along the way. Um, but I didn't feel like an imposter because I felt like the fact that I, and living it and experienced it gives me justification for talking about it. And so for the first time, like in a very long time, like I, and again, I'm not saying I'm an expert, but I feel like I've sort of dropped that because I think everybody has 
their own experience and your own experience and how you deal with it or don't deal with it gives you the right to talk about it and to share it. And whether or not people resonate with that or buy into it, that's up to them. But you have the right to share your story in your way. And that makes you the expert of your experience. Beautifully said. I couldn't agree more. Um, I'm wondering something. So it was so untimely, very unexpected, obviously, the loss of your husband. What happened immediately after that? What started going through your mind? And how, what was your support system? What came, who came by your side? Who was there to help you through your day to day and every day you woke up and to help you get out of bed in the morning and look after your dog and your kids and the mortgage and payments and bills and everything? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I am very, very blessed. I'm blessed with a loving and supportive family. I have a lot of friends who are incredible. Um, I have, I, I feel like I have an army around me and, and I'm, and my son does too. And my friends are friends with him and he texts them and he's also got great friends. And so immediately after, I mean, I think I called my parents, um, my mom came over right away. You know, obviously I was in a daze. I was in a fog. I was going through the motions. Um, but I also knew that, you know, after the funeral and after the initial, I wouldn't even say the initial shock because I'm sure I was in shock for longer than I think I was. Um, I'm also somebody who has anxiety. And so for me, a pending task creates more anxiety. I'm not somebody who can like have a pile of things that I need to do and not do them. That creates more overwhelm for me than if I would just put my blinders on and just plow through. So you're so, in school. Well, I, I, yes, school, I was definitely a procrastinator <laughs> because like when it's things I don't care about or don't understand, <laughs> then I'm like, I don't care. And I like work better under pressure, yeah. but like for life things or just things that I know have to get done non-negotiables, I have to get it done. And so you know, but there was a lot that, you know, and I knew things like I paid bills and I paid the credit card. Like we delegated, he had things, he dealt with the mortgage and the car payments and I did other things. So it wasn't like I didn't know how to write a check or do online banking, but I didn't know where everything was because he did some of it. Right. And so, um, and there were just things like banking and mortgage. I've never been like super confident in like finances and math and all the things. And so, you know, I just didn't do that stuff. And now I had to, and there were like insurance claims and forms. It's amazing how much actually has to get done that you wouldn't even think about. And thank God, like my brother helped me with the banking things and he dealt with the car lease and I have another amazing friend and he's in insurance and he helped me fill out all the claims. So like I put my blinders on and I got to work very quickly because I needed to do that for me. I'm not saying that's the only way. Some people don't want to do it that way. Um, and I really dealt with the business side of death very quickly. Like, you know, the will, the insurance, the, the payments, the all of it. 
needed to get things over to my name and, you know, and it takes time. Like I'm still almost two years, like two, over two years later, still dealing with like certain things, not everything, but certain things. It just takes time. And it's a lot of red tape and a lot of things. So sorry, also, but sometimes the logistics, I think being busy with that stuff is a, almost a helpful. Yes, it is. Keep moving forward. Like you have no choice. Your kid has to go to school. So yeah, you're, you have to pay the mortgage bills, certain things. Sometimes the real life things that you have to get done are almost easier to deal with than the real emotional pain of it all. Like, yeah, well, absolutely. And that's shelf, a good, right? there's that's, yeah, that have to, there's the practical and then there's the practical logistics that have to get taken care of. And then there's the other stuff that is easy to push aside, but it sounds like you've done an amazing job of not letting that happen and really addressing that, that those things as well. Yeah. And yeah. And it's also an incredible distraction, right? right exactly. To not have to, right. To not have to deal with your feelings. Mode, right. Yeah. If you're right. doing and then you don't have to feel as much. Yeah, exactly. And I also, at that time I decluttered my house and like got, you know, I wanted to just like create a different environment. And like, I knew I wasn't going to move, but I renovated a little bit to just, you know, and so for the first, I would say seven months after I was doing all of that stuff and I was distracted and yes, I still felt the things, but I was busy. I had things to do. I just kept my head down and I kept going. And it wasn't until like January of 2022 when the renovation stopped, everything was handled. And now I'm like, oh, here I am. <laughs> Here it's it is. Storm. Yes. And it, it, this is when the feelings and the work and the pain and the, you know, the quiet and it's winter and at the best of times, like I'm not a winter person, you know, so it, I find it dark and depressing and all of that. So that was a really, really, really hard. That's when it was really hard for me was when everything stopped. And, you know, like I said, I have amazing friends and, you know, I have a dear friend who took over the Shiva, like she produced the Shiva and it was amazing because, you know, it's obviously not on the grieving person or family to do that, but it was also during COVID. So she had like a window of an hour for people, like 10 people to come and then they had to leave and like, you know, or like she just managed that. And then there was like a food train and like meal train or whatever. And you know, it's all those little things that you would never ask for, but you really appreciate when they're in place. And, you know, so I was very lucky to have, and I still do have amazing friends and family. And I don't always, I'm not an asker, like I'm a better giver than I am a receiver, but I've had to learn to ask for help and to accept it. You know, even though I'm like, no, no, don't worry. Like, but no, like people don't know what to do and they want to do something. And what I've learned is to just gracefully say, thank you. <laughs> Even though it might be hard, it was for me, but to just be like, okay, thank you. Yes. I accept that. Do you have any practical um, tips? Let's say do's and don'ts. Like people will often call after there's a death and say like, what can we do to be helpful? Or people will give out these offers. Like, let me know if you need anything. Um, and I, what I, I always try to direct people, like be specific, say like, I'm dropping off dinner. Do you want pizza or chicken fingers? Like yes. be specific, because if you leave it open-ended, you know, it's very hard for people to accept it and they'll be like, okay, yeah, sure. Um, do you have either practically speaking, any do's or don'ts of what was helpful for you or for your son in this time, like this tremendous time of pain and grieving, either like 
practically or emotionally or things or something someone said that really hurt was hurtful or, you know, any do's or don'ts, what worked and what didn't. Well, I think what you just said was something that I was going to say, like, instead of asking, and I know everybody's intention is good, but that just gives the person or me another decision to make another thing that I have to think of. And I will shut you down because I don't know what I want. I don't even know what I want. Right. Like, so what you said is so right. Like you're not going to get it wrong. Like just do something. Like if you want to do something, do something, you know, say, I'm going to go walk your dog for you or here's dinner or, you know, I'm, I'm doing this grocery shop. And, and again, like I, I still turned people down for that. I did. Um, but instead of leaving it open-ended, be very specific. Also, I would say, you know, respect where the person is at. So if they just need quiet time and, and they, they want to not talk, don't take that personally. Don't, you know, force it sometimes, you know, like, I'm somebody who would rather be by myself than have somebody sit next to me and rub my back, right? Other people need that. I don't. And so I think often people feel so helpless and they want to do something, but then they make it about themselves (laughs) to feel comfortable and like, just like respect where the person is at um, and really listen to, to what they're saying or not. And, and, you also know, like there are some times where you're like, no, you know what? I know she's never going to ask for help, but I can sense that she needs me right now. And that's just in a comfort of knowing somebody and, you know, but, um, yeah, I would just say sometimes just like giving the person the space to just be is enough too. Right. But everyone's different, right? So everyone's different and what they need may be different. Yeah. Um, and one of your episodes is a little bit woo woo. Uh, you spoke about <laughs> talking with a, um, what do you call them? A medium. Yes. Mm-hmm. How did that go for you? What was well, it? I went to see four. <laughs> I saw four different times and it's weird because the first one that I had scheduled, I had scheduled they, if you go to a good one, they'll book like months in advance. So I booked this one at the recommendation of a, of a girlfriend. And at the time Mark was still alive. So I didn't even know why I was booking it, but I ended up seeing her in July, which was two months after. So, um, yeah. And then I saw one in October of that year and then November, and then a year later of November. So like this past November, so they were all spread out. And for me, I mean, I've always believed in a higher power, like God, universe. I talk to my angels. I, you know, I have crystal, I'm the weird one, you know, I'm the, I'm the weird one of the group. Um, but, uh, I've always just believed in something bigger and you can call it whatever you want. Um, and so, you know, and I used to be that teenager back in the day, going to Yorkville, getting the palm reading, wondering when I'm going to have a boyfriend, you know, all of that. And that to me is different. That's just like, you know, someone looking to make 20 bucks easily. Um, but this is different, um, because every experience, every conversation that I had in all four of them, they didn't know me from anybody. They didn't ask any details and they all 
Mark came to all of the readings and I knew that I was, that it was him and that I was, I wasn't communicating with him, but the medium communicates with him and they re, you know, they tell me what, what's going on. And I don't know how you can doubt, you know, if you have to have the experience yourself, but there was without a doubt, I knew I was talking to him. They captured his essence, his personality, the way that he would joke, certain things that we said about each other. Um, they wouldn't have known. It's impossible. You can't even Google it, even if you wanted to. You just, because these are personal conversations that you have when no one else is listening. And what it did for me was it brought me a tremendous amount of comfort. It brought me um, peace. It brought me closure in many ways because I did a lot of unpacking of what I thought happened and why I thought it happened with my husband's best friend. And we talked about it a lot. And I felt like we kind of were getting it right. It just felt right what we were saying about it. And I felt through the medium, I got confirmation on what our thoughts were and our theories were. And it brought me a lot of comfort and peace. And knowing that he's in a better place and that he wants me to move forward and my son to move forward, he wants us to be happy. Um, and so not that I felt like I needed his permission to move on it. I just let say, you know what? It's nice to have, it's nice to have, sure. but I didn't, it wasn't stopping me from moving forward because I also knew that like, I didn't do this and I didn't deserve this. And like, I didn't have any of that. I didn't have the guilt around it. Um, but it was nice to sort of have his blessing, you know? So for me, it was, it, it was a lot of comfort. Amazing. It's beautiful. Um, we do have a couple more minutes, um, before I get kicked out of my room, I'm in right now. <laughs> Either of you have any last comments or anything you want to share, uh, before we call it any last words of wisdom to mm -hmm. anybody who might be dealing with similar strategies? Um, I would say definitely, uh, if it's something that is traumatizing and that's preventing you from moving forward, definitely research EMDR therapy and see if that feels right for you. Um, and if it does, I recommend doing that sooner than later, because for me, that allowed me to then have the neutrality to do the work and to feel the things, but to really, sort of put that part of it aside and now just like deal with the emotions and the grief around it. And, and also give yourself permission to be exactly where you are in any given moment. So feel what you're feeling. If it's happy, when you think you should feel sad, feel happy. And if it's sad, when you think you should feel happy, feel sad and don't judge yourself and don't censor yourself and surround yourself around the right people who are going to allow you to be exactly where you are with unapologetically. I say that a lot in my podcast, just be unapologetically you. And if you don't feel that, then find different people. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I think one last thing I just want to highlight that I think is really important that you're sharing a lot about is not all grief is traumatic. Um, there's always going to be, it's always sad. It's always tragic, but it doesn't have to be traumatic. And I think the fact that you're, it's very important how you identify and dis distinguish between the two, because EMDR is wonderful and an excellent tool for someone dealing with trauma. And it's used in all types of trauma, not just around death. Mm -hmm. um, any type of trauma EMDR is, can be very effective. Whereas that wouldn't necessarily be the first modality of approach to go to somebody with regular grief, somebody who was sick for years and the family had a chance to say goodbye. EMDR wouldn't necessarily be the first, you know, mm -hmm. type of therapy. So I think it's really um, interesting and important that you're highlighting that there's grief and there's trauma and they too definitely, there's oftentimes where they overlap or they intersect. You know, we have a whole world where we talk about complicated grief. Sometimes the person who dies, you didn't have a good relationship with them, or the last conversation you had was a fight or things, you know, there's things you didn't get to say. So grief, people kind of generalize it. It's very complicated and there's a lot of nuances and specifications to how to, you know, how to best work with somebody who's grieving. But um, yeah, I think it's really important to actually face the trauma part first. And you can't really deal with the grief until you've worked through the trauma of like yeah. especially in a case like what you've experienced. So I think that's really interesting for others to understand. Sure. Yeah. Early, quickly, where can people find you? So my podcast is called So That Just Happened. It's anywhere you'd find a podcast. Um, I have a website. It's new and I'm improving it. It's called thecarlycooper.com, www. And uh, I'm working on a few things. So uh, just, you know, you can also find me on Instagram at Coach Carly. Facebook, Carly Cooper. Um, yeah, I'm around. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for your time. I honestly, I really, really appreciate it. Everything you've said is very eye-opening, very transparent. We really I appreciate everything that you have spoken about shared. Uh, and shared and our condolences for your loss and for the fact that you have to deal with any of this tragedy and all the, everything you have to go through and the grief of it all. Um, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Really appreciate your time. All right, my friends. Thank you so much for listening to this. So that just happened podcast. I really hope you found value in this episode and that you're walking away with at least one golden nugget that you can implement or feel inspired by. I would be so grateful if you would share it with one friend or family member who is committed to moving forward and transforming their life. Make sure you subscribe so you can catch every new episode. And please leave me a review. It would mean so much to me. Also, follow me on Facebook and Instagram at, at Coach Carly. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.